Hello and welcome to the We Are Guernsey podcast, where we bring you interviews with leaders from the global finance industry, as well as news and developments from Guernsey's financial services sector. My name is Brandon Ashplant, and I am Senior Strategy and Technical Executive here at Guernsey Finance. Guernsey is a leading global finance centre. The success of the industry here is underpinned by economic substance, political stability and asset security, and we are committed to the cause of sustainable finance. To find out more about Guernsey's success in sustainable finance, tune into our sister podcast, the Guernsey Green Finance Podcast. Today, however, I am delighted to be joined by Darko Hadukovic, Head of Platforms and Product at the London Stock Exchange Group. Prior to beginning his 15-year career with the LSE, Darko worked as a researcher with the European Commission and Staffordshire University. Darko holds a PhD from the Royal Holloway University of London. On this episode, we'll be discussing the state of the listings space, given the state of the politics and and the global macro economy, the rise of the voluntary carbon market and the LSE offering here, as well as what the future holds with new and innovative technologies coming to the fore. So without further ado, welcome Darko. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Great to have you on. So thanks for joining us. Um, Firstly, just, uh, just to kick things off, just tell me a bit about yourself and your career to date. Uh, so I've joined the London Stock Exchange. Uh, that was on the Stock Exchange in uh, 2007. Uh, and since then, um, we have become a London Stock Exchange group and the business has transformed considerably. However, the core of what we do, uh, which is bringing those who need capitals with those who have capital, that really hasn't changed. And in fact, kind of hasn't changed for the last couple of hundred years. So um, I work in our primary markets team. I'm responsible for our environment, for companies and funds uh, and, uh, and bonds, uh, for the environment for them to, uh, as they come to list, uh, for uh, products that we are building, uh, and also for the services that we provide uh, to our clients. Uh, and again, the, 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 the number of those services has, thanks also to the, to the group and the assets we have in the group has increased um, significantly. Excellent. So, so jumping straight into things, um, the first fund to IPO in about sort of nearly two years now is, is domiciled in Guernsey. And, and if anything, this is sort of proof, of, I, think, I think, of Guernsey's listings capabilities more than anything else, really. But do you think this could be the turning point after what has been quite a dry spell? You know, how do you see the list, listing space developing in the short term sort of future? Yeah. So uh, just putting fund, uh, fund aside, of course, uh, last, uh, last year was a very uh, quiet year in terms of IPOs. But London remains a very attractive place to list, um, uh, and it's it has uh, it has had a, a lot of successes in the history. But also, when you think about what underpins London uh, today, uh, the robust regulatory framework, uh, the time zone, the connectivity of international players, all of these things remain at at, at, the, at the heart of, of, of what we do. And yes, the, 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 there were the challenges last year. There were challenges all over the world. Uh, but when you think about um, uh, Europe, London is by far the largest European, by some margin, actually, largest European financial centre uh, by any metric, including the capital raising metric. Because don't forget, even though may they, may they, may they, there may have been less IPOs uh, in terms of the following capital raising, capital raising for companies that already are listed in the market that has um, has been uh, steady and has been uh, it's really proven that public markets continue to support our uh, our issuers. Um, Guernsey, Guernsey plays a uh, important uh, role uh, 
and it's an important destination where many of our investment funds, but also operating companies, as I believe above uh, more than 70 investment funds are actually domiciled in Guernsey, again, using that um, uh, flexibility, but like the robustness that's built within the Guernsey's uh, uh, system. And I would also say, when you look at the, for example, and you know, a lot of, uh, I said a lot of funds, I believe there's about 30 companies also incorporated in Guernsey, but about a majority are, are investment funds. When you look at that structure, uh, it has been a, a robust structure that has proven ability to uh, channel capital, and we can talk about that uh, uh, later, especially when we talk about the BCM. Um, but over 60% of flow in, uh, in, of, of those funds uh, was in alternatives. Now, alternatives, um, I must say I don't really like that name uh, because it's not really alternative anymore. It's actually becoming very ma- mainstream. So these are asset classes of infrastructure, real estate. Uh, royalties, um, renewables. These are these are these are the perfect vehicles that existed for well only about 150 years. Uh, so as, as 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 it comes to testing vehicles, these are the most tested ones we have for really channeling capital into productive assets. Excellent. Uh, so in recent years, we've sort of seen this explosive growth in renewables and focus on sustainability. Um, as of late. Um, and in the last few years, actually, the, the concept of the carbon market has sort of come to the fore as well. Um, for those less kind of familiar with the, that space and that world, can you just describe to us what is a carbon market? Well, just before I go into carbon market, let me just uh, sort of frame this, where, where this sits. Mm. So um, as you know, uh, UK has been a leading uh, force behind global movement to tackle, uh, to tackle uh, climate change. Uh, and we have been the first exchange where um, companies um, have um, been asked to make public disclosures against the uh, TCFD, which um, is, a, is, is an acronym, but it is Task Force, task force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures. Uh, not a really catchy phrase, but a very important one, uh, because it gives um, investors a very good handle on of what, what companies are doing in terms of uh, they are uh, meeting their, their, their climate climate change goals. So we we, we were the first one there. Uh, we also have our sustainable bond market, which is one of the largest uh, uh, markets that attracts uh, fixed income issuers, and and the volumes there uh, are, are huge. hundred almost one hundred and fifty billion sterling was invested in sustainable uh, projects through this market. So on the back of this success that we have had in in, in green financing, uh, we have developed a concept of a voluntary carbon market. And the question that we had uh, been asked uh, uh, there uh, by the market is, um, what, is what, what, what are we going to uh, contribute to this as a long stock exchange? And of course, the natural answer would have been, well, we're going to create a carbon trading place. But we've looked at the problem and we realized that is not the main problem. It's not about the trading carbon credits, but the generating carbon credits. So we went one step before and said, well, what if we have a market that will uh, channel financing towards projects which will uh, generate carbon credits? And that is the idea behind our voluntary carbon market. An investment fund that can be domiciled in Guernsey, uh, can raise capital in an IPO, deploy it. In, um, in, in projects all over the world um, and offer, instead of paying dividend or indeed in, 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 uh, as, um, uh, in addition to paying dividend, offer, um, offer carbon credits uh, to their investors. And we see that uh, we think that corporates could be a very, very good um, uh, investor 
who then receive that steady stream of uh, of carbon credits. Brilliant. Um, so, so the LSC, as you say, is, 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 is very much the forefront of the space, um, and it's launched its carbon market last year. Um, and this is, was something that we actually discussed at length at Guernsey Sustainable Finance Week in September of last year. How do you think the LSE's offering actually compares with kind of other global voluntary carbon markets out there? Um, well, as I said, it's completely unique and it builds on the strength of, of, uh, of UK and, and our ecos- uh, ecosystem. So other uh, markets uh, really look at that trading component, how they're going to actually trade and exchange carbon credits. But when you look at actual uh, carbon credits, as I said, the problem there is the lack of supply. So we, we've tackled it from that perspective. And then there we use something that is very uh, unique to, uh, to London, and that is a very vibrant invest- closed-ended investment fund market, of which currency is a really important constituent part. And that is where the real differences between us and other places. We channel finance to that, to those projects, those projects generate carbon credits. And you know, we shouldn't forget that the, the, the normative task in front of us, um, there are net zero commitments that companies are, are making and they are approaching fast. They need carbon credits. Um, and we, are, we will be there uh, with a healthy supply of those carbon credits. Mm. And Foresight Sustainable Forestry were the first fund to be listed on the voluntary carbon market. Um, and, and, and as I say, we were very pleased to welcome them at Sustainable Finance Week last year. Um, what interest have you seen in voluntary carbon markets since its launch? I, you know, is, there, is it very popular or has it proved not as popular as you might have thought it would have been? Well, um, it has proven very popular. And uh, the amount of time you know, I heard, this is really interesting, I'm going to look into that, you wouldn't you, you would believe. Mm. Uh, what we uh, uh, always want to emphasize, uh, these, uh, this, um, the carbon credits are not substitute for decarbonization. So that, that's one, one thing to just get out there um, uh, straight. Everyone needs to decarbonize, and we appreciate that. But we also appreciate that if we're going to be truly net zero, and we have to be honest about it, it is impossible to completely decarbonize. So for those residual carbon credits, uh, there will be uh, there will be dissolution. So there will be a fund that is listed on the stock exchange under our rules, under the rules that will also govern the designation of voluntary carbon market, and they actually sit within our admission disclosure standards. Uh, that gives confidence that um, that um, investors will receive carbon credits uh, that are uh, that going that are going to be uh, verified, and we have a, 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 a we have a list of. Um, agencies that can verify those carbon credits. So it gives that robustness. It also gives ability to uh, corporates or other investors to come in and out of their uh, investment in the liquid market because it's actually what they're holding is a share, not a carbon credit. So they can buy new more shares or they can sell shares depending on how their, how their carbon uh, credit um, uh, demand changes. Um, so having said all that, we have been engaging with investors uh, with uh, corporates, and corporates are very, uh, very uh, interested. Um, but one thing which I would also put in um, as, a, as a plea is that we need to move very quickly uh, from we are interested to we are doing this. Because if you, if you think of our targets, um, as, I, as I said, before, as I already said, many, many investors, uh, asset managers have 
2030 net zero targets. Um, some have 2040, some have 2050. If you think about it, that's seven years from now. In order to be able to have carbon credits to be net zero by 20, 2030, you need to put um, solutions in place today. May that be a natural, natural, uh, natural, uh, nature-based solutions uh, or other solutions, but they take time to generate carbon credits. And that's why urgency uh, is really uh, advised here. Mm. And, and it sounds like this is something that the LSE does take seriously and is taking seriously, and that's, that's great to see. Um, I'd like to turn the conversation now to, to the future of the LSE and, and particularly during what seems to be a period of sort of unprecedented technological development um, with the likes of AI chatbots. We've seen more recently the likes of ChatGBT and, and others um, so forth. What role do you think these technologies and the rise of sort of digitization and digitalization um, and actually the rise of automation will play in the LSE's sort of future functioning? Um, the, so digi digital assets um, and DLT have a, a really important role to play in, uh, in, in the markets. And I should make a distinction here. There is one, crypto isn't the same as DLT. Right? DLT uh, can um, uh, serve as a very useful technology tool that can help uh, certain transactions and help in holding certain transactions, it is very, very separate from crypto. So when, I do, when we talk about digital, we, we, can, we can focus on those, um, those digital, digital, mass, uh, digital assets that really can help with the development of the underlying infrastructure uh, in digital issuance, digital uh, safekeeping, uh, so digital capital raising, digital tokenization, exchange, settlement, custody, you can really revolutionize things there. But it needs to be done in a, in a robust, in a safe way. Um, and um, of course, it needs to be done importantly in response to customer demand. So we are very closely working with the market and exploring how would they want to, uh, to see things uh, develop. Um, and that is our mission, because our mission is to be an uh, infrastructure provider and to facilitate access to a, um, a broad universe of asset classes. So we are looking, we're talking to the market, we're talking to the market participants, we're seeing what the problem solutions are there, uh, and then what is the best application of DLT um, uh, or indeed other digital uh, ways that we can, we can solve some of those solutions. Um, you will have seen that we have also announced a strategic partnership with uh, Microsoft, uh, Microsoft, and as a part of that, we have um, agreed to explore development of digital market infrastructure uh, that would be based on, 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 on the cloud. Um, and our goal here is really to transform uh, how market participants interact um, and, and in general how capital markets uh, run and how, how we can bring more efficiency into that process. And just out of interest, and this isn't part of the script, but um, sort of going off track a little bit, where do you think the regulations are on this? Do you think it's when it comes to the application of more particularly AI, I guess less so kind of emerging kind of crypto um, or uh, or techie assets, but with the rise of AI and so forth, do you think um, financial services regulation or particularly the, the, the listings regs are up to scratch when it comes to the, applying the likes of artificial intelligence? So I think regulation is... It's not necessarily about listing regulation. It's the whole framework of how uh, regulation is, is positioned to service these um, new assets. Mm. And here, really, we need to, um, we need to uh, come up with solutions, uh, sorry, uh, problems 
solutions, proposed solutions, and then go to the regulators and say, this is how we think it should be done. A lot of the times I hear regulators are not moving fast enough, et cetera, et cetera, but it's down to the industry to say, okay, this is what the problem statement looks like. This is what the solution, what, the, what we believe solutions uh, are. Um, and then um, this is the regulatory framework which, uh, which will um, uh, enable these solutions to happen. Um, so I think that um, yeah, regulation needs to um, uh, to uh, to happen, but there is a sequence of events here. Mm. Interesting. Um, now, as well as of, of course disruptive technologies on the rise, the the 2020s and the start of this decade have have been particularly turbulent um, so far. I think it's fair to say with respect to the to the global pandemic, of course, at the very start. Um, but more recently, we see stagflation and war returning to the continent. Um, in the form of the the invasion of Ukraine, what are the key risks and opportunities for the listings space given the current um, state of the macro environment? So, well, first and foremost, uh, when 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 uh, war started uh, more than a year ago in, in, in Europe, our principal focus was was uh, ensuring the safety of our people. Um, so that was the first thing we did. Then we also looked at, of course, a sanctions regime that has happened. So we made sure. That um, uh, that we are uh, that we have robust procedures in place in order to meet all the sanctions that, that that are happening, and that really is important because it protects the whole ecosystem. Because we are we're doing that that business. We've said like our, our exposure as as a group to what has happened uh, in terms of our of our revenue is less than one percent, and we are really well positioned to uh, provide that critical market infrastructure uh, glo- globally. Um, I also think we uh, we need to appreciate that uh, we have left um, a, a very benign condition, market conditions that have happened before. We are entering uh, a period, as you as you've characterized it, which has all of these uh, unfortunate uh, negative headwinds. But this is not new. I mean, markets have went through these things before. As I give you an example right at the beginning. 1868 is the first um, uh, is the company uh, is, is a year when a company uh, that has the longest tradition of being listed company has listed. And since 1868, they've seen quite a lot of things. So we have seen these things. Uh, capital markets have weathered that those storms in the past, and it is important that we are very well positioned uh, to um, to go through this. Um, and it will, of course, pass. Um, but it may take it may it may take uh, it may take time. We don't know how long how long it's going to take. What is important is that in the interim, um, uh, financial markets adjust, and as they always do, they will adjust and um, and carry on. Well, very positive. That's that's good to hear. Uh, just a final question, and and I have to ask because Guernsey has more listings than any other non UK jurisdiction globally. Um, something we're of course very proud of on the island. Um, what role do you think global finance centres such as Guernsey have to play in working with funds and firms to enable sort of successful listings? So I think uh, so. You're, you're right. I mean, Guernsey has um, quite a, 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 a is a base for quite a lot of our uh, of our issuers, and um, contrary to some uh, opinions, they don't go there because it's um, it's the easiest way and it's the cheapest and the tax is low. They go there. For a number of variety of reasons, they go there for uh, uh, for agility in in the in the in the regulatory framework. 
uh, they go there because um, uh, there are certain things that are beneficial for their shareholders. Um, and I think the role that, that, that the island continues to play that role and will continue to play that role for certain issuers. Uh, we appreciate many issuers want to onshore and, and, and come, come to UK. Um, and that is fine. Um, they will have their reasons. But what is important is that we have that optionality uh, and give optionality to our to 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 issuers, and then they can choose what what is best for them. Well, brilliant! Thank you very much for your time, um, Darko. It was very nice to have you on the podcast. Thank you. And it was great to talk through the listing space and how you see the LSE working through the current environment, particularly given the economic headwinds, as you outlined, but also the rise of artificial intelligence and other sort of innovative technologies. And thanks also to you for listening. If you enjoyed this discussion, we have a backlog of interviews on the We Are Guernsey podcast channel. You can check them out by searching for We Are Guernsey on your preferred podcast platform. We also have links to Darko and the LSE in our show notes, so check them out to hear more from them. To find out more about Guernsey and its specialist financial services industry, head over to our website, weareguernsey.com. We look forward to welcoming you back to the podcast soon. Until then, it's goodbye from Guernsey.